And we are live. So, uh, welcome to episode 123 of An American Werewolf in New Jersey. I am the American Werewolf. Um, if you had told me two years ago uh, that I would have started a show um, and been interviewing uh, producers, authors, writers, screenwriters, directors, um, you know, I would have told you you had a screw loose. Uh, but as I was uh, saying before we went on, um, when I returned to the U.S. in 2020, I decided I wanted to take life in some different directions. And so I started this show. And now, 123 episodes later, uh, I'm doing interviews uh, with authors and uh, actors. And uh, so it, it's a big treat for me uh, to have Tony Atherton, uh, all the way from Glasgow, who took the time to... Uh, come out and spend a little time on the show here with me today. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for, for coming You're on. Good to be here. Yeah, and I've got uh, Keith D. Graham, uh, who's the author of, let me see, I want to make sure I got it right, The Tackering, A Story of Loch Ness, um, which is obviously a bit of a paranormal story. Um, and I grew up watching all the, now being in my 50s, uh, I grew up watching all the old In Search Ofs with Leonard B. Moyes and seeing, um, you know, the stories about the Loch Ness and then, you know, making it into, um, you know, maybe the X-Files. They had a couple of related uh, sorts of things. So that's always been uh, a fascination for me. Um, and Keith decided to write a book about it. And as he was saying, well, I I'll let you go, Keith. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and... Um, Tony's contribution to it. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I grew up always wanting to write a book. Loch Ness has always been fascinating to me. Just like you said, I watched all those same shows. Um, just always in my heart and mind, I've always believed there is definitely something there. And um, so I wanted to figure out why and how and why it's, you know, one of the arguments is always, uh, well, it should be seen more often. So I had to figure out a good argument for that. Um, so I wrote that into my book. Basically, uh, in a nutshell, um, the Takaron are actually an alien race who have come to Earth as a form of sanctuary from another alien race that's trying to obliterate them. Um, luckily, they find a human in Scotland who is their advocate and he's dedicated his life to helping save them and protect them from the rest of the humans, discovering them. Um, so I've gotten a lot of great comments on the book, a lot of great reviews. But like I said to you, it really took life after Tony read my book. Um, his voice is phenomenal. Uh, he came up with different voices for every character in the book, added sound effects, soundtracks, music. Um, he even sings in my book, uh, it's just one of my favorite all-time songs. It's just, it's incredible. The comments I've received on his uh, audio uh, version are just off the charts. Now, uh, the book is currently available on Amazon. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, and I will put a, a link uh, to the book um, in the description Thank you. Um, after this is over with. So I, I hope people go out there. Um, and give it a try. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, nowadays uh, with things like Audible, 
Um, you know, these books are available uh, to put right onto your phone if you're going for a run or, you know, you're just kind of lying around. So there's much more accessibility to, to audio books. Um, yeah, I hope people give it a try. I, I got a quick um, overlay here. So this is if you go on to Amazon and you check it out and you see this image, uh, whether you're here live in the stream or come in later or catch it on the replay and you see this, keep the gram. Um, this is the copy that we're talking about. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so, so I mean, did you did you end up going out to out to Scotland or anything like that, or was collaborating with with Keith uh, or with Tony? Excuse me. Um, you know, was was that helpful in terms of any of the material, or had you written it already and then connected with Tony afterwards? Yeah, so it, the book was written a couple of years before I even met Tony. Okay. Um, he and I, <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting story. He and I met on Twitter. Um, not Tinder. <laughs> we've been going back and forth. <laughs> huh? What'd you say? Not, not he said Tinder. not Tinder. <laughs> Go on, Twitter. 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 Not, Twitter. Twitter. not Twitter. Tinder. Twitter. No, no, okay, no. no, no, happily. Um, <laughs> so off we. Uh, court. We, yeah, off the Yeah, yeah. No, court. no. Uh, I don't know. Those records are sealed. Um, he, he and I are purveyors of dad jokes. Oh, OK. So, OK. So, okay. so we, we were firing dad jokes back and forth at each other. Okay. And uh, one day I casually said to him, hey, have you ever done an audio book? Uh, to which he said, no, I would love to. And that's how the relationship began. Yeah. Uh, wow. so. There's a little, little bit more to that story because um, I was actually I had a boat. Uh, I live um, about uh, nearly two uh, hour and 45 minutes drive from Loch Ness. And I kept a boat up in Inverness and um, we used to go cruising out there. And every now and then I'd be posting pictures of Loch Ness. Making me jealous. <laughs> Keith made some comment about, you know, have you seen I'd be Nessie? scared. Oh, yeah, I'm not going out there. Forget it. So I just, I drew, you know, as you can drew, I drew a picture of Nessie. I said, yeah, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, and I think uh, that, that kind of led, led to the, 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 con the, the conversation about <laughs> doing the book. The other thing is, I mean, he'd never heard me speak before, so he just saw all my pictures in Scotland, and he said, "You know, I, I just thought it'd be great to have a um, an authentic Scottish accent." Well, you can yeah. hear my accent, and uh, <laughs> so I had to say, "Well, I have to tell you the truth. I've lived here twenty eight years, but I'm I'm actually from a bit further south, for well, a long way south, about five hundred miles. But I've, you know, I think I can do a few of these accents." So I sent him a few. Uh, uh, he sent me the script. I looked at it, and I played around with some of the some of the characters uh, and gave them different voices like some of the the alien the bad aliens um, i don't know if you remember the the um, british actor brian blessed he was yes. in oh yes yes gordon's alive <laughs> this old bird man so i had a sort of mixture of uh, the, the brian blessed with, with a bit of a growth down in here sort of just a, but it, i i used to kill my voice after uh, <laughs> man who's this real <laughs> nasty mean bastard of a, of a, of a destroyer um <clears throat> after you know half an hour of doing him i had to switch to a different chapter just to give my voice a rest but uh, yeah yeah i i think that uh, a lot of people and we were talking a little bit about you know uh film acting and, and the the importance of you know being a part of the supporting cast and you know the sort of uh underrated um you know perception um, that they get, you know, because, you know, we said a good background, you know, 
works well. You almost don't sort of notice it unless you're yeah. specifically keyed to it. But without it, um, you know, you've got this huge gaping hole. Um, in terms of audiobook work, um, I've given it a couple of attempts. It's extremely difficult. And I'll tell someone, you know, they're like, you want, you're doing what? And I'm like, give it a try. You know, just try to read something error free. You know, and I'll set like three minutes. I'm like, try it for three minutes. Next time you're by yourself, you don't have to do it in front of me, you know, or something like that. Uh, just three minutes, no errors, no tripping over yourselves, no ums, no uhs, you know, these sorts of things. Get back to me on that. You know, so yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, good. You know, if it works out, great, fantastic. You know, maybe I've pointed you in a new direction, you know. But I, other than that, you know, so that is, uh, you know, again, uh, I think uh, extremely difficult work. Not to mention um, adding voices, accents, um, these sorts of things. Um, and again, it's another thing that works so, well, not so easily, um, but, you know, you almost, you know, when when you're listening to it, it doesn't occur to you how difficult that would be. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, this was my first. So you know, um, um, we we discussed this and uh, uh, sort of time frame, and, and actually the time frame was a lot longer in the end. But fortunately, Kiss <laughs> was very patient. But also, it was a learning curve for both of us because I mean, you know, he'd never put one up. And the hardest thing was the technology behind it and the consistency of tone. Uh, and you know the rise and fall. I mean, as I said, I'm, I've, my background was stage acting. So when I first got, I told you earlier in our earlier discussion, when I first got onto uh, recording on set, um, I destroyed a few earbuds of the sound engineers. You know, <laughs> booming my voice, even projecting it in the back of the audience. The sound engineers oh, oh, just too loud. Yeah, inside voice. So. So, you know, and particularly for things like the aliens, I mean, the, the Scottish ones, actually, I mean, they were very, my, my sister's been playing this before she goes to bed, Keith, and she said, you know, big brothers, uh, reading her a bedtime story, she said, my, <laughs> my voice in the Scottish accent is so lilting and soft and gentle, she said, she's replaying because she falls asleep all the way through, my voice, you know, um, um, but, but yeah, no, just getting that consistency of tone. And I used uh, a software called Audible, and uh, it was very good because you can you can see the frequencies in there, and there's various filters you can put on to to make sure that you don't go like, beyond certain. What was the software you used? Audible. 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 Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I've been using uh, like in my experience, I'll use something like um, like Adobe um, Audition yeah, or, or something like that. You know, I, I've got an Apple system here. I was I tried GarageBand, okay. it was just far too complicated. Audible is, I think, a lot of voiceover artists use it, and there's a lot of how-to videos on YouTube. So I, I, mm. I went from zero to you know being fairly competent in it. Uh, and even right at the end, the biggest problem was us then getting it fit for Audible. And Audible had a really narrow and quite tight again because they are looking for consistency of tone. Yes, they are. Um, they don't want their readers to go up and down on the volume. It has to be within a certain bracket. And oh, I can't remember how many files we had, Keith, about 29, uh, about 20 of them failed. You know, so I had to go back in and re-edit these things. And then I found another plug-in that worked for it so that I could edit it. And um, But, yeah, so there was a huge, huge learning curve. So I think, you know, the next one, which we're 
we're discussing. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Okay, so there's going to be um, more. All right. Probably a winter project. <laughs> <laughs> but and also Keith needs to save up to pay my exorbitant fees. But your medical fees and for your throat and you know all the therapy you have to go through, you know. Just just yeah. the money and cough drops alone. Yeah, that's a lot of tea, man. That's a lot of tea <laughs> and honey, you know. Jeez. All right, this yeah. stuff gets expensive after a while. You know, it's 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 a great story um, to hear because, and every once in a while on my personal social medias, you know, I, I you know I have a Twitter account, but it's basically about the show. Um, but you know, on my personal Facebook, I'll post something and I'll say, "This is what the internet is supposed to be." You know, and so, you know, being in my 50s, you know, I'm beyond a lot of the, you know, more trendy social media things. I have an Instagram, but I don't know what to do with it most of the time. You know, here's a picture of me. Hey, you know, and then here's another picture. You know, I'm standing and I don't know what to do with it. Um, but um, I, I think the purpose at its highest level for the Internet was or it still is and should be in the future um, to bring people together. Um, you know, I mean, granted, it's also giving, you know, DIY people like myself this opportunity to, you know, work something in the back room of my house, you know, that I've converted into a small office to have these sorts of conversations. So, you know, in a microscopic way, I play a part in that, too. But the idea that you two could just sort of connect over Twitter, which is the same way Tony and I have connected, you know, uh, but I mean, to to work a project like that. Um, shows that, you know, the internet actually uh, does have some beneficial uses every now and again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's, uh, it's great. And, uh, yeah, I've had a few, I've had a few uh, connections come through Twitter that, um, that have led to either work or, you know, creative collaboration. It's, uh, it's been good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, for me, um, even seeing, you know, on YouTube, um, how, because this is streaming right now on YouTube, it's streaming live on Twitter, it's streaming live on Twitch, uh, another social media platform. I really don't know how to use it, but <laughs> I just put it out there in case someone might see it or want to see it and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it, it's out there for everyone. And I guess depending on how you, you know, you put your foot forward with it, you know, you can really you know, have some benefit for me, um, just watching other shows, you know, and how they're professionally done. You know, I pick up little pointers here and there, you know, because obviously, you know, like you with working with Audible, you know, you have to teach yourself these sorts of things nowadays. But yeah. I, I think it's great that, you know, that technology is available to us, you know, so that we can do that. You know, you don't necessarily have to go into a huge, it's it's more accessible. Yeah. You know, whereas I, I, 20, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I literally have friends all over the world who I've never met face to face because of the social medias that we, you know, we use. Um, I've got a buddy in Tennessee who does what you do. He does a, a podcast on uh, uh, mostly on zombie stuff, but I've never met him face to face. But, you know, yeah. he and I consider him my friend because, you know, we've talked on air before. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's amazing, amazing what, what you can do. Yeah, I, I have a friend um, in Dublin, um, this guy, Marty, um, and he runs a similar show to me. Um, and we've, you know, been on each other's shows, that kind of thing. I mean, and just, you know, he's a night owl. 
So yeah. some because he, he's younger, he is a night owl, and you know, like it's eight p.m. here in the U.S., so it's like one p.m. there in Dublin, and he's still up. He's like, "Yeah, let's do a show or something like that." I'm like, Are "You sure?" He's like, "Yeah," and you know, next thing you know, it's ten o'clock here, but it's three o'clock with him, you know. And so to have this kind of access, um, you know, you really have to you have to take proper care of it, you know, yeah. and, and make sure that you know, you know, as the saying goes, you know, you're using your powers for good. Um, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, tell us about the, uh, the next, can you, Keith, can you, can you let us know anything about the next project or, um, oh my are, gosh. You, are you playing the cards close to the vest? I mean, no, I tell you what, I've got so many going on at the same moment. I, I actually, I have three books that are published right now. Um, I have another six that I'm working on. Wow, that's a writer. That's a writer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, so there is a sequel to The Takaron, of course, The Takaron 2. That's real uh, creative, I know. Um, those are both on Amazon. I also have a zombie book on Amazon uh, called Storm. Um, okay. That was a lot of fun to write. And uh, I do have a third book coming in the Takaron series. Um, and I have, like I said, another five or so that I've been uh, developing. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, um, you know, for anybody who's watching this, who, you know, might be looking for any tips or pointers, I mean, just, you know, a general overview kind of thing. What, what suggestion, do you have any suggestions that you would make? Is it, cause I, I had this guy on, um, who had just had his first, he had written many screenplays cause he's a writer. So he's always mm -hmm. writing, you know? Um, but he had finally had one made into a Tubi original movie. Nice. Uh, so one of the local streaming services here in the U.S., Tubi, uh, decided to take his screenplay and, you know, turn it in. And he was so excited. You know, he was like, you could tell he was just going to be buzzing for like the next six months. Of course. You know? And so, you know, I had him on here. Um, you know, he gave, you know, tips, pointers, general, you know, kind of, you know, things. Is Is there anything that you would say anything that you would suggest to anybody who's out there thinking about it, doing it, struggling with it, you know, that kind of thing? Of course. Um, the number, the best piece of advice is don't listen to anybody. Uh, I tell you what, I've had more conversations with folks. <laughs> Honestly, I've had more conversations with folks who have wanted to write a book and have been dissuaded by their family and friends and so they just never do it. So the first advice is don't listen to anybody, you know, and don't tell anybody you're going to write, just do it, just write it. You know, um, <clears throat> one of my, one of the coolest stories that have come out of this for me, um, after the talk round first came out, I was messaged by a woman in Canada, 89 years old. She said, it is so because she read my story, the history of why I decided to write. Um, it's all came from a uh, quick incident. It's on it's on my author's page. You can see it. Um, but I, I was told by the doctors I was going to die. And uh, I didn't. Here I am, I hope. And uh, so I said, you <laughs> know what? yeah. Um, <laughs> so I said, you know, what? I always wanted to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And that's how I started. Um, so this 89-year-old grandma, she had written stories for her kids and her grandkids and just to read to them. And she wanted to publish them. And everyone told her that's silly. So she said after reading my story, she was going to get her books published. You know? Good for and you, it, man. Yeah, just, Good for you. 
anybody who says no, don't do it, uh, tell them to go away. That's that's the best advice. Um, second advice is write every single day, even if you just write a sentence. Write a sentence, you know. But it's it's just like that muscle memory. If you don't do it, you lose it. So every single day, write a note. Write a note to yourself. Um, once you put pen to paper, you're a writer. No matter what anyone says, you are a writer. You have now written. Um, whether it's published or not, you are a writer. So just go do it. Okay. So persistence, just mm -hmm. keep at it every day. Um, yep. write something, write something. Yep. And yeah, don't listen to the, to the naysayers. Yeah. And you know, um, and I keep, I keep a voice recorder on my phone. So I'll be driving home and I'll think of a great line. And if I don't either write it down or record it by the time I get home, I've completely, and I'm like, it was such a great line. And now I don't know what it is. Um, so I have a recorder on my phone. If I don't have a chance to write, I'll record it. Um, keep, keep pens and papers, anything around you. Um, don't, don't lose a great idea. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's really solid. Hold on a second. I've got, I want people to be able to see this and add into the stream. This is, um, this is Keith's, uh, Amazon page. So he is um, right there on Amazon.com. Uh, and there's a photo. You can follow him right there, um, which I'm happy to do. And you've got his books, The Tacaron. Um, they're very inexpensive, uh, $2.99, $4.99. So they're within a budget uh, for Kindle editions, The Tacaron 2. Um, you've got descriptions here. You can pick them up with one link. Um, you know, Kindle Unlimited, so you can pick them up for free if you're paying the uh, the Kindle price. And I imagine the same goes with Audible. Um, so you can look these up very easily. Um, you can look them up in all formats, audiobook, uh, paperback, hardcover, um, anywhere um, that you can, any format that, uh, you know, you can find books, you can find Keith's books here. So uh, take a few minutes um, and look them up um, if you're looking for something good to read um, and something fun, because that's what it sounds like. Download the Audible, and I can send you to sleep. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the earlier chapters. It gets more excited and, and yeah. Later on, I, I tell you, I tell you what. When Tony Tony was sending me all these samples, hey, the, check out chapter five. Hey, check out chapter ten. I mean, it was incredible. I know, I know, I wrote those words, but then to hear them spoken, I mean. It, Honestly, I, there's parts that brought tears to my eyes. It, it just moved me to hear those words spoken. It, it just, it was amazing to me. It, and um, I, I think, I think as uh, Americans, we also have a fascination. It's sort of, it's sort of a joke, but it's sort of not. We have a fascination with European accents. Yeah. You know, so we're like, wow. You know, I remember, uh, you know, back in the 20 years ago or something, where we were listening to George Bush, and I was, oh man, this guy. And then Tony Blair would come on and you're like, wow, you know, it's just like, it's like hypnotizing. You're like, wow, why can't our guy talk like <laughs> it, it almost sounds smarter, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> he sounds like he knows everything with that accent, you know, and you're just like, wow. Well, I mean, that bullshit I, just sounds so much better when he says it. <laughs> my, my description on Twitter is I was born in New York. My body lives in Orlando, Florida but my heart belongs to Scotland. Hmm. So I, I feel drawn every time I hear the voice or I see an image, it just draws me in. 
you know, my granddaughter is named after a, a, a place in Scotland. And it just, you know, just it's, it's in my DNA. I know I've got to get there. So, yeah, I mean, that was the next question. Hopefully you guys at some point will have a face-to-face meeting. You can sit down and oh, I was, see I was hoping scotch to or beers or coffee oh. or whatever it is you choose to do, you know. But that would be, I mean, that would, would be the to, ultimate. Yeah, it'd have to be over a dram or two yes. or three. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, and that's, and that's yeah. when she makes most of her appearances. You know, you, yeah, get, you get out there on the water with a, a bottle of single malt and, uh, you know. After on the lot. The smell brings her up. It's just it's there. You go. Yeah. I have to. I have to grow my beard back. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, that would be a proper meeting, as they say. I think uh, that yeah. would be that would be fantastic. That would, that be, would cool. be. Yeah. Um, is there anything that um, you would like to talk about, uh, Keith? Um, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, where people can find you on social media? Um, that sort of thing. You said you're on Twitter, so where can they find you? Do you have an Instagram page, anything like that? Um, I do have Instagram. I do have Twitter. Uh, Twitter is uh, at KDGram65. Um, I'm on there all the time, throwing the jokes out there. If you love really bad dad jokes, come join us. Uh, yeah, you'll get them there. I'm normally commenting what? on it. <laughs> I'm normally <laughs> commenting on how bad, you know, how, what the grown factor is. It's got to have my a grown three to be a dad joke. My the goal end. in life is to make Tony message me and say, oh, that was bad. That makes my day. <laughs> Despite uh, my aversion to dad jokes, I'll probably join you on there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it just sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you said you said you have an Apple phone. Who me? Yeah. Oh no, uh, I have a Google. Uh, one of the Google. The oh, okay. Pixels. Okay. No, good. I, I'm not. I'm not. An You're Android. not an Apple person. No. Um, Windows right. primarily an Android. I, I have you, an iPad around here somewhere, but. Okay. Well, you just went up in my estimation of you then, because you don't have an Apple phone. Thank you. Um, but I was going to ask you: Do you do you know why uh, Elon Musk only puts Apple computers in his rockets? No, because you'll have to because everybody knows you can't. Everybody, everybody knows you can't open windows in space. Okay, well, it's been nice talking to you, and uh, that's the end of the show for tonight. Uh, my thanks to. <laughs> okay, well, I, I've been. I'll, I'll I'll attribute that as a forewarning, so I, I know what I'm in for when I, when I find you on there. So, very awesome. That's a, that's a sample. Hey, man, um, what's the weather like down there? We've got about uh, sunny and 80 right now. You've got yeah, about 500 we... degrees right now, don't you? Oh, it's perfect today. It's 95. Okay, 95 and humid? 95 and humid is not the word. Um, the best way for you to experience weather in Florida is go take a really, really hot shower and then put your clothes on. Don't dry off. Just put your clothes right on right after the shower and go outside. That's what it feels like to live in Florida. Yeah, 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 don't don't go, Tony. Don't go. All right, just you have them come to Scotland. The, the sun's come out for about the first time today. It's sixty degrees here. Um, yeah, and now yeah, you guys have constant like overcast weather, don't you? A lot of we overcast. Have this, we have this June. It's been awful. Um, um, the first the first year of lockdown um, was great. I mean, we had a amazing May, June, July. 
which was great because everybody was locked in. So at least we were able to get out in the garden. But um, this year, <clears throat> no, it's been, um, we actually lit a fire, a, a log fire, <laughs> very Scottish, you know, <laughs> sitting there with our woolies on. And, uh, yeah, about, at the uh, end of June. Okay, yeah, we're not having right. that here. Crazy. Crazy. But, uh, yeah. Good grief. You, you okay. don't come to school for the weather. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I'm going to change tracks in the conversation away from um, Nessie. Um, Keith, you're welcome to hang out. Um, I'm just going to chat with Tony a while about origins or, you know, whatever you'd like to do. Yeah. You know what? I'll turn the floor over to him. I really appreciate you letting me know about today. Yeah. Uh, great, great seeing you, Tony. Um, as always, mm -hmm. uh, I, I truly appreciate my time with you. Um, I'm actually on the clock. I need to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, the next time i'll tell you what we'll connect on twitter and then um, i'd love if you're interested i'd love to have you back on to discuss you know your next projects once those yeah. uh you know start to become tangible and uh, most definitely yeah, I'd, love, I'd love to talk some more and i, I want i don't want to connect with your friend who does screenplays i want i want, I want a movie made yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll send i'll send you as uh i'll dm you the uh the you know the app whatever you know i'll, I'll send you good. his profile yeah. Thank you. All right. My thanks to Keith Graham for uh, you, for stopping by, and uh, you have a great day, man. And uh, you too. Go get... All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Back to work. Go on. Back to work. <laughs> All right. So that was cool. That was cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy. That's. Uh, yeah. We, you know, yeah. So we we really connected, and uh, and more so over the the characters as well. You know, and. Uh, that was just really lovely to hear that that, that sort of feedback. You know, when I sent him the first few tapes, he just said, oh, my God. He said, um, it sent shivers down my spine. And my wife was sitting there. We're just hearing our, my words reverberating the word and, and the characters you're bringing out. You know, it was a great feeling. And uh, and then there was one particular chapter, I think, as I said to you, in a chapter today, it was nine or ten. And it's, it's deep. It's dark. And mm -hmm. I, I found this music, you know, um, royalty free music that I, I put on there and and it would just it just got in the atmosphere and, and my voice slowed down and I just read it out and it's it was quite dramatic and and heartrending and at the end of it I was almost in tears you know I kind of played it back and I, played it and I sent it to him I was just so proud of it you know I thought wow yeah I've just when you create something like that out of somebody else's words you know it's your interpretation and your yeah on it but it's their take and they and then for them to hear that and say wow you know i wrote that but that is a great interpretation it's uh, i was it's just going to say that you know it, it sounds like you you breathed life into you know his project and you know made some part of it your own i mean you know not yeah. to sound too cliche or anything like that but uh you know that's that's definitely what it sounds like well, you do so, that anyway. You do that anyway in any role you're playing. You know, you, you make mm -hmm. it your own. You become that that person. And, you know, you, you take, there's several movies out there that you know been played by different actors and everybody has a different take on it. You know, you see a different right. actor play it differently and then you think, oh, I like the way the last guy did it. Then you get more into it. And like, oh, I kind of see where that's going. And, uh, it, you know, it's, that's what that's what art is, isn't it? It's different interpretations, different input. That's very true. Talk to me a little bit about uh, some of your stage experience. I mean, 
Um, you know, for me, uh, we've talked about, and I have several friends uh, that are regular guests on the show, like I said, that, you know, here in the U.S. that are regulars on the stage. And, um, you know, my understanding of it, I've, I've never done any performing. Like I said, I've made some attempts at uh, voice work, which is, you know, not the same thing. Um, but, you know, that in many regards, you know, stage is sort of held as the highest kind of form, you know, in terms of what's possible, you know, in terms of maybe yeah. pure art, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, there's a huge difference between on stage and being on TV and film. So, my, um, you know, I, your, your listeners don't know, but I mean, we discussed that earlier. I'm very new to the TV and film thing, and it's a second career for me. So I was wanting to go into theatre school. I had a couple of rave reviews of, uh, you know, high school productions, big, big high school productions. I played Oedipus in Oedipus Rex, very deep and dark, oh, okay. serious. Yes. Um, you know, the original MF. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then I also played Shakespeare, Henry the Fourth, part, part, Henry the Fourth, Part One, where I was Prince Hal. Dan, oh, okay, okay. And, you know, slaying Harry Hotspur and yeah, and, yeah. Um, in fact, it's where my my wife saw me in that and uh, uh -oh, uh -oh. and odd piece and uh, the rest is history, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she had no choice in the matter. Yeah, that was it. Well, you know, yeah. Um, so, but then my Keith was saying, you know, don't listen to people, you know, talk you out of things. And my English teacher talked me out of it. He said, Tony, he said, you yeah, you could go to drama school. You you you're very good. You could be a very good actor, but the life. You know, you could make it or you can break it. It could be hell. You can end up waiting tables. You know, you know, you really should think twice and, and basically talk me out of it. And then I did particularly well in geology and geography. And I went on to go, go to university and do uh, geology. And I had a, a very long and successful career in the oil industry. But it never stopped me wanting to act and perform. So, yeah, as you say, a lot of your friends there, you can join some local companies and they can be very good quality. And so one of the local groups here, I, it was actually when my daughter was there, she was doing Annie. She was she was uh, cast in a title role and I was up every night picking her up and, and bringing her back again. And, um, <clears throat> um, you know, the director said to me, he says, well, why didn't you do this? Oh, I'm busy. I'm, you know, I'm working. And uh, she says, well, lots of guys work. And, you know, and I'd heard stories about them being, really strict if you missed one rehearsal because they were very, very <laughs> professional and, and diligent about this. You know, mm. you were asked, no, 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 it's not quite that bad. But anyway, so I went for the next uh, thing. And so I, my, my first performance was as C.J. Scruggs in the best little whorehouse in Texas. Is that right? Okay. Absolutely fantastic. So I think I was in my 40s by then, you know. I mean, I okay. um, but got back on stage. And, and See, I had that's my great to hear. Party. Yeah. My whole department, there, including my secretary, and and I was department manager. I was chief geologist by that time, and I uh, had all my team there. And it was a big theater. It was a three hundred seater theater. We were packed out for a for a two week two week run. So it was it was a big you know local production. And there's one scene there where um, I played various roles, but the, I don't know if you know the best at the whole house. There's a scene where the Aggies win the state cup, and the governor sends them to the chicken ranch, which is this. The whorehouse, the whorehouse that's yeah. Each, yeah, yeah, you know, and in the film, it's got Dolly Parton and um, in it, Burt and, Reynolds, uh, Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, she yeah. sings um, my um, 
um, I Will Always Love You in the film. Yeah, okay. It's not in the musical. Uh, she wrote Okay, that, okay. But it's not actually in the musical. And uh, uh, little side side story. But there's that scene. So we have this thing. So we get there. We have to do this Aggie dance. And then we strip off out of our football gear down to our boxers and cowboy boots and hats. We do this, <laughs> this down dance. And then we end up uh, going back to the whorehouse. And we strip off again down to our boxers and cowboy boot and hat. And we're doing this dance. And I'm, I'm absolutely dripping in sweat after this cowboy dance. And then we have to do this freeze because then the, um, the preacher comes in and closes the whole place down. And we're sitting there, you know, these girls are dressed in very skimpy little basques and uh, negligees and things. And um, the comments the next day was, my, my secretary says, well, I'm never going to look at my boss in the same way again. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were having too much uh, fun sitting on that lassie's lap. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I was trying to lean forward because the sweat was dripping off of me and not drip onto her. And it was just, I mean, the whole disposed. And then the strobe lighting, we were all running around and it was all, it was hilarious. Great songs and great music in that. So that was the beginning of the stage stuff. And then after that, I think uh, I actually had to do some tap dancing in 42nd Street. I was very much in the back row. Um, I could do shuffle ball heel, shuffle ball heel, and keep, keep it simple like that. Um, but my two best roles were um, the mad dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. That okay, was a, okay, a great okay, one, okay. you know, with laughing gas. And and then then I had a break. I got transferred overseas, and um, you know couldn't, couldn't make the rehearsals. But when I came back, um, um, and this was a few years ago. Um, some of the old crew had formed a new production group, a slightly more professional. They'd all put money in and got some grants and funding, and they wanted to put on Spamalot. And I don't know if you've, you're a Monty Python fan at all. Not exactly. I'm very familiar with it, but yeah, I'm not. Spamalot yeah, is, is the musical from, you know, and it's a bunch of the, basically the film, The Life of Brian. Okay. and uh, and uh, But with other Monty Python sketches, kind of woven into it so i played the brave brave sir robin who basically just <laughs> runs away <laughs> uh you have to fight be, another day that way man you know but the, but the interesting thing there I, I had this big song it's a great great song and spamalot actually opened on broadway and 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 there's this song and he says you won't succeed in broadway unless you have a jew and of course, you know the whole thing about New York, the the the, the Jewish um, backers, and it's it's oh, a very okay. yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. Of course, okay. you know the sort of Mel Brooks type thing parody of themselves. It wasn't offensive, you know. Right. It, you know, it was taken because yeah. the Jewish uh, community is very, very huge part of the New York theater scene. The yes, owners, yeah. the Eagles, everybody. So this sort of thing, and so it ends up with this. Uh, there's a dance in there where they do that uh, um, uh, sort of comedic version of the uh, fiddler on the roof you know the guys going down and doing the with the top oh, yeah, yeah 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 and then the british version of it said they they did a bit more like simon cowell's stars in their eyes and so you you won't succeed in broadway unless you have a star and it was just so wet compared to the 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 american version or the original version and mm. so you basically took the mickey out of whoever was a celebrity at that time so we decided to go with the uh, you know with the original version and, and most people liked it but a few people go, i'm not sure you can say that these days in this sort of you know but it, there's nothing offensive in it it's just mentioning another religion yeah. by name you know yeah, in a musical. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite interesting in a rural scottish you know or background how how people took to that um, and again i think um 
Monty Python is a bit like uh, Marmite. You know, some people love it and some people hate it. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was it. And then, um, so then I just it's... started. Go on, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so after that, um, yeah, I, then I started trying to break into TV and film. Um, as we mentioned, there was a. Was that a just a, was that just a, hey, you know, I, I'm just now because it seems like like you've got this ball rolling and you've like you're working with professional people. I, I like that you said that, you know, in that, you know, hey, you're not going to miss one rehearsal. Yeah. You know, uh, because I, I, I like I have a friend, he's a regular on the show and he was going to recently direct um, um, a production of Much Ado About Nothing. Um, and the production ended up falling apart because various people just ended up sort of, you know, ditching, you know, they didn't have much skin in the game, you know, that kind of thing. And the production ended up falling through. So I like that, you know, you said, you know, you were working with, you know, professional kind of productions and serious, you know, serious people having fun. Don't misunderstand me. But so, okay, now you've got the ball rolling to that. So how, how did you form the idea? Wait a minute. I'm just, cause, cause that's a leap. Isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, did, did it just occur to you one day? Like, you know, now that I'm doing this, you know, like, you know how a path will, you know, and then another path and then another thing, you know, that it just piggybacks. Is that how it worked or? No, I just, I did, I'd always had a feeling about it. You know, I've always, um, I've always been interested in film and TV and, and, and acting, you know, there are actors I will watch. I'll watch a film just because they're in it, because they are just such great actors and and interpreters, and particularly if it's a story that you know. And I just thought it just would be cool to be on a TV set and, and, and to do this. So I got some headshots done. I signed up with a couple of agencies. And um, then I got this, um, as I mentioned, this thing, uh, um, the, the Adelia Hughes um um, short film. It was a student project. I applied for that, auditioned for it, got it. I mean, it really wasn't paying in, you know, pennies, but um, I just wanted to break in. I wanted to break in. I wanted to get some footage so that I could use a showreel because that's the thing you got to get. Got to get a showreel, and um, and that's really what I was doing the last few days, I, which we discussed. Um, I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, but so you know, I wanted to get some some good footage of showreels rather than home videos. Um, and you've got a story, you've got other actors to interact with. And this girl, this young girl had made um, a couple of um, uh, movies, um, short films. They'd gone on to this, film festivals. This um, is Eleanor Smith, correct? That's Eleanor Smith, yeah, yeah. Eleanor Smith, okay. She's two names, L. Delaney, I think she uses on, a, on that. But, but uh, and so we went down, did that. It was great. I did manage to get some of the, the, the footage, and it was up on YouTube. It was put into... Uh, to a couple of film festivals, and as you, as you found out, it's disappeared from the internet. So yeah, I've emailed what's happened because I kind of we did stay in touch for a while, but then after, shortly after that, I got a gig on uh, Peaky Blinders, which is uh, a real I don't know big in the states, I'm, but it's a real. I'm a huge. Yeah, it is enormous here in the United States. It is yeah. an enormous show, and people. The sixth season just came out. I binged the whole thing, um, yeah. you know, and it's just yeah. Um, I, I have a. I have an image overlay here. Hold on. I believe that's you right there, right? That's me looking fiercely at uh, Tommy Shelby. Yeah, uh, exactly. At this ridiculous family, rightfully so, I'm sure, uh, because these guys are just absolutely 
preposterous <laughs> the Shelby family. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, uh, you know, Tommy Shelby is uh, basically they're a criminal gang from Birmingham. Right. Um, but the thing, the, the strange thing about the show is that they're awful people. Yes. Uh, they're called the Peaky Blinders because they sew razor blades into their peak caps. And I use remember. Them. Um, yeah. um, but you can't help root for them. You know, as they rise up, this is they're always fighting this glass ceiling. They come from a Romany gypsy background, and yeah. that's always part of their culture. So, no matter how much Tommy Shelby rises up and tries to become a respectable businessman, of course, he's always got this other side. The interesting thing about Piggy Blinders, you see that when he gets up amongst the elite, the lords and ladies and MPs, they're all corrupt, but just in different ways, and they use their power against him and snobbery and uh, so you can't help rooting for him and in that particular scene um he, uh, he's playing oswald mosley who is uh, an mp he was a labor mp but he became the leader of the fascist party just in the pre-war the black shirts and so tommy shelby's playing him um he he actually secretly works for churchill yes um, yes and, yes yeah and, there's, a lot, there, there's a lot of intrigue going on there man it's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I talk to people about this, and I, I've noticed, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're sort of, would you classify the Shelby family as, are they anti-heroes? I mean, they're clearly the protagonists, but they do awful things. Um, it's one of these things where you see, you know, any chance that there is for some sort of redemptive arc you know, at the last second, they just double down in the other direction every time. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're put up against people that are worse. Yes. I think you've, you you've know, nailed that. That's the they're trick. Put up, they're put up against people who are worse. And so they they keep trying to reform. I mean, Tommy Shelby, he's the, the younger brother, but he's the leader of the family. And right. uh, Aunt Polly, you know, who... Um, yes, who passed, um, yes. You know, who just suddenly, sadly passed last year. Um, great actress, and, and she's the matriarch almost of them. And they keep trying to bring it back to a business, and they run it like a business, except that the business is based on crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the, but yeah. the interesting thing is that Tommy Shelby won't do – he only does um, marijuana. He won't get into cocaine until, right. you know, it's, it's his um, – um, nephew, who, Michael, who comes through and gets involved with the American mafia and things. So, but yeah, the, the upper class is there. I mean, everybody tries to do him. So he just has to resort to you know, the old ways. And, and, and the upper classes are have, are just more formally invested in corruption. Absolutely. You know, where, whereas his kind of corruption is kind of you know, low yeah. level. You know, they just have, you know, these people, especially in the last season, you know, they're yeah. connected to the Americans and, you know, these Americans have tons of access to the president. And, you know, they're they're awful. They're, they're just awful. Here's a real life story here. Uh, this is uh, nothing to do with acting. It's, uh, in my former life, I was trying to negotiate an oil deal um, in an Eastern European country, which is fairly war torn at the moment, um, previous government. Um, and um, I was talking to the um the, the guy that he was head of geology at the time, but he was going to go on to be their next minister of energy. And I was trying to do a shale gas deal in this country and bring my company in. And I, and I, I was provided with, you know, if you want to walk out of this meeting by my company, do so, you know, no envelopes, nothing. We have got to be squeaky clean on this. We, you know, we're a North American company. 
even though I was in the British branch, so, I mean, and, right. and we had to be absolutely. But I was giving this guy the line, and through the translator, he basically says, "Mr. Atherton," he says, "He says you'd come to me and you lecture to me about um, corruption. <laughs> Let me tell you something." He says, "In your country, you have people they're called lobbyists. These lobbyists <laughs> money, and they pay money." to get access to an MP and then the MP will try to swing the vote in there. You know, he says, the thing is, you have as much corruption in your country and in America and in Canada. We're just more honest about corruption. You Anyway, at that point, we drank, we drank a lot of vodka and then I went back to the hotel room and got the next flight home and said, we can't do a deal here. It's not good. But, you yeah, know, it's, I Whereas, whereas, yeah, I mean, because I've been in places in Asia and South Asia and, you know, these sorts of, you know, the developing world and these sorts of things where like the news is practically the guy putting the money in his pocket. You know, you could, you could, you know, that'll be on tomorrow's episode, you know, this, that or the other where, you know, we clearly have a much more formalized uh, structure. But yeah, it's kind of the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, I can't yeah. tell you you're lying, you know, but I, I got to tell you this anyway, you know, and here you go. Lobbyist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a hell of a thing. So, yeah, I think so, yeah, Tommy's an anti here. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, now, did you get a chance to interact with any of the, uh, you know, Cillian Murphy or, uh, you know, any of these sorts of, or is that a, you know, on Peaky Blinders, no. I mean, Killian was, um, he's just focused. I mean, he goes off, takes himself off. I was sitting right next to him. I mean, he, you know, we have, you know, exchange a few niceties. Um, but um, it's professional. Um, the, the ones I've probably had the most interaction was Belgravia, where I was Lord Darby, because I'm actually in a scene with Tara Fitzgerald, uh, Tom Wilkinson, right. Harriet Walter. And so we're chatting in between the takes, and mm-hmm. and, um, and Tara Fitzgerald got her the the, um, the dressmakers were coming around picking up her skirt because it was <laughs> and so we were just about and it was fine off you know when we were in between takes, but um, we were just about to go on, and um, and I had to call her back and said, "Excuse me, you, just do you mind if I unpeg you?" And <laughs> she was sort of laughing about that, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that just wasn't, hadn't been noted. You don't want to peg on someone's skirt in the middle of a eighteen seventy. Um, one of the funniest interactions was uh, Livia Coleman in The Crown, and she—I mean, she's been award nominated for so many things. Uh, yeah. So she's playing Queen Elizabeth. And we were shooting a scene up at, well, it was meant to be Balmoral Games. So it was close to Aviemore up here in the Highlands. And we had a whole mock Highland Games set up. We had bagpipes, um, caber tossers, people, you know, Highland Games people. And I was a games official in that. But at the beginning of the scene, um, uh, it never actually made it, unfortunately, to the to the final cut, which is another <laughs> thing. You see, you see the whole thing and then you see, you see the director's cut. But this particular scene, they had a guy, and he literally he was uh, it was meant to be a, a tradition to opening the uh, the Highland Games. So he's tossing this haggis. So Prince Philip comes up, played by Tobias Menzies, hands him a haggis, and we all sort of throw it, and everybody's mime acting because that's the thing. They always put the sound in afterwards, so we're all going. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but then the director comes on and says, you know what? This is this is not working. Um, tell you what, I know I know I normally ask you to say mine. Everybody cheer. Everybody cheer, because this is fun. It's the beginning of the Highland Games at Balmoral. And so um Olivia comes and says, So would the Queen 
would the queen be cheering as well? She said, yeah, I think the royal party would be cheering. So we do this scene. Prince Philip gives him the, the haggis. He tosses it. And everybody's cheering and clapping. And then and, and cut and comes across. Olivia, darling, um, I think the royal party, the, the queen would cheer. But she wouldn't go, hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know that, do you? Everybody's an expert. She's just a down-to-earth character, and it, and she was um, walk past you, so a bit of a giggle. This in it, I am just off for a ciggy, you know. <laughs> and um, so, yes, on on the crown certainly did. And then I can't talk about it because I'm still under NDA. Uh, no, I can't. But in the next series, I'm I'm interacting with one, and I had a lot of interaction there because we were in a car driving backwards and forwards. Well, uh, I'll look forward. Maybe, uh, you know, when yeah, that happens, yeah. you know, next time you're ready, we'll have you back and I'd be happy well, to be the next series that comes, That'll be the next series that comes out. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, that'll be series five? Yeah, so, series five. All right. So, uh, um, hold on a second. We got a couple of comments here. Yep. Um, uh, from from Twitch, that the the, uh, the social media platform, I don't know how to operate. Uh, we've got a guy, Refreshed, uh, refreshed Pixels, um, who's a friend of mine in Bangalore, India. Uh, and he's saying hello. I, like I said, I lived in India for seven years, so I made a lot of friends out there. Uh, glad to be able to catch you live. Um, and he's enjoying it. He says it's amazing. So, I, I, I you know, um, with, you know, the Crown and Peaky Blinders, those are global, um, you know, yeah. runaway kinds of shows. Um and just, I mean, you said you met Tom Wilkinson. I'm a huge Tom Wilkinson fan. Yeah, I mean, he's, but it was really funny. Again, um, the director came up and said, right, um, because the seat was empty. Harriet Walter was there. She was chatting away. And uh, we were sitting at the dinner table. The scene was explained. Basically, um, this young chap was going to come in who was the unknown grandson to Tom Wilkinson and Harriet Walter. had been raised by another family. And it's all a bit of intrigue as to who this mystery young man is because he suddenly appeared in London and this society scene. So it's a big dinner party thrown. So we're all in our um, posh, posh gear, 1870s. I had my hair curled up. You know, <laughs> great having the hair done. And um, and then so there's an empty seat there. And uh, uh, the, the first AD came over and says, right, so Tom's going to be coming in. You all know Tom Wilkinson? We're going, well, we know of him. Never met him. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of one of Britain's greatest actors, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's no small thing. Oh well, yeah, we're we're like this, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's Tom. Tom's um, he's, he's got a few pains, but um, he, he might he might not talk to you. He might he might just ignore you. But it just, that's just Tom. Don't take it personally, or or he might be fine. But um, just 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 don't take. We're going. Some of the fear of God in us, thinking, you know, is he going to come down and snarl at us or whatever? Yeah, and, uh, that made it worse. Yeah. Anyway, he, he was fine. But it was at one point, I'm, the camera's coming up behind me, and I'm sort of standing up ready to go. And he's staring me, staring me out in the eyes. And I thought, is he trying to outstare me? And so, so I stared him back. And eventually this, this, this grin came up in the corner of his mouth. And like, you bugger, you were trying to stare me out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> A uh, great, great. It was a great show that um, I loved doing period dramas and uh, um, a brilliant cast to work with. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, you can just learn so much watching them. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got a lot of experience um, in that casting list. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, even you know, like you know, Killian. I mean, just a, a ton 
of experience. You know, I remember him from um, was it the Wind in the Barley? Yeah. Um, you know the the IRA movie, and you know the, I remember him from back and and you know then Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, he has so much range. You know, then to go to a Danny Boyle movie like Twenty Eight Days Later. You know, and you know now to, you know to Nolan, and you know um, you know whether it's Batman or Dunkirk or, you know, these sorts of things. And then Peaky Blinders and Tom Wilkinson has done everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and Tom Hardy and uh, Adrian Brody and just, yeah. I mean, it's every, every, every experience must be just like, do, do you pick things up? I mean, just oh, through observation. Definitely. I mean, uh, that's one of the things I'm on. I mean, you hope, you're going to get noticed. You hope that it's going to be moved up. I mean, the worst thing is if, if you're in deep background, you know, deep background, you're basically some man in the background just walking past. Walking past, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't get anything out of that part of the day's pay. It, you know, and sometimes that's, and sometimes you don't know. And then other times, right, you're going to be standing here and you're going to be interacting with the main characters. And that is great because, as we said, you know, you have got to be, you're, you're going to be in camera. Your facial expressions are going to be in camera and you have to react the way they are reacting and not be done struck or anything like that. So uh, <laughs> bad, bad background can ruin a good, a good scene. Yeah. We talked um, about that. Yeah. Before equally, we went on. equally, you know, great background. You don't notice it. It just looks natural. They are in a park. They are in a cafe. They are in a restaurant or whatever. Uh, and sometimes it's that reaction. If they're making a scene, you know, you've got to react to it. You wouldn't just ignore them, but you can't go, <laughs> You know, you can't overdo I'd be, it. I'd be starstruck. <laughs> so, the thing I've learned, you know, the difference between TV acting and stage acting, and that's just from being, you know, background roles and supporting artist roles, is little is more. Less is more. And it's it's, it's kind of right, you know, and, and, and I, and I um, roll Hell a yeah. slight quarter of a turn rather than the whole neck. And um, or a glance, those things are just so much important. So yeah, I'm picking that up all the time. I'm also picking it up actually from other background artists who have been working a lot longer. And you get to chat, and you know, and um, and it, it's good actually. I had, I had an, a lovely comment the other day. I was on um, another big, big Netflix thing, and I can't say because it's NDA uh, sure. until it comes out next next uh, episode. But um, the first ADs who came up and said, "Oh." You're working with one of my favorite essays. And she said, Oh, is that Tony? He said, Yeah. Oh, I worked with him back on Tetris. And it was it was just really nice to have that um that kind of feeling, you know, that sort yeah. of playback that there are the ADs and the, the, the directors are actually watching you. And if you do a good job, you will get asked back. And then maybe next time you get the lines. You know, that's that's the big thing. You know, do you get everybody says, Have you had a line yet? I'm working, I'm getting so close. Let me take a, a quick step back. I don't want to go too far back, but like, how does that, ha like, how do you, like, is there just an announcement? Hey, you know, casting for Peaky Blinders or casting for The Crown, and then you just kind of throw your name in? Is that how it works? Or do you, like, do you know someone and you're like, hey, you know, I could do something here? And they're like, yeah, okay, come on, you know. It so generally speaking, if it's, if it's a part with lines, it's, uh, it's called a walk-on, if it's not a main character. And they will put that out to the agencies and they say, right, we've got a walk on role. We're looking for this. And then if you are so then you you get put forward. If you don't, if you fit the look, then they'll get you to do um, a self tape. So you send in the self tape. So 
So I've done a few of those. Um, I got right down to the final for, this was for an advert actually. Um, and I, I was told by, I blew them away on the self-tape, but then it went to the, um, the, the, the produce the product owner, uh, the, the, the client, and they, they wanted somebody different. And, and this was actually for a, an illness. And I had to have a look for that illness. Oh, and even though okay. knowledge, even though I had a knowledge of it, I couldn't, I didn't have the, the larger right. to go with it. Yeah. So, um, but that was, I mean, I got great feedback from that, you know, that was probably the closest thing to that. But uh, so, yeah, that's generally how it happens. Uh, a spec will go out for this character. And it'll be a walk-on one, which is a featured role, or walk-on two with lines. And I think there's three of them. After that, you get onto equity rates, and you're a proper cast. You know, <laughs> is that is that uh, what you would consider to be like the next step? Like what you'd like to what you'd like yeah. to do? Yeah, I mean, I think the next thing is to get. I think what most people are looking for is representation. So you get to get an agent to take you on, and then they'll push you for these roles. But to get there, you need so many credits. It's a bit like a Catch twenty two. You've got to get so many yeah. credits. Well, how do you get your credits without getting an agent? Well, you get it at the end. You've got to get spotlight registration. I can't get my spotlight registration because I've got so many credits. And so, isn't credited. That, you know, you, you get. You know, you're on there uh, in in full view, but you don't you don't get a full credit. So, you know, we've just met uh, over an hour ago for the first time. You know, for you know, full disclosure. I mean, you know, we connected on Twitter a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, a month ago or something like that. But um, you know, this is the story of a pretty, it's a pretty. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, everybody's got their you know difficulties, but this is a pretty, this is a pretty charming story. I mean, you've gone from you know starting this thing when you were very young, and then you know, kind of being you know shut down a little bit by one of your teachers. I, I you know, I don't know how you feel about that term. It's just you know the one that popped into my head. You know, off to a, you know, a formal education and then, um, you know, experience in business, you know, which led you to travel all over the world. And then, you know, almost through sort of happenstance, um, this, you know, opportunity to get back on the stage, which then leads to, you know, film work, you know, and then, you know, to, to audio book work. I mean, it's it's quite a story. Oh, do, you. do you ever do you ever just. Um, do you ever just stop and say, you know, holy shit, like, how the hell is this? How has this happened to me? Or are you just like, I don't think about it and I keep my, I just keep my head to it for the next thing? Yeah, I, I think it's more that. I mean, it, it, life is a series of, you know, opportunities and doors opening and you just got to take them when you can. But I think you've got to put yourself in the place. And, you know, it was, it was, it was like uh, describing luck. I think it was, was it Arnold Palmer or Gary Player, one of the old golfers? And someone said to him, you must be one of the luckiest golfers I know. He said, yeah, you know what? The more I practice, the luckier I get. And yeah. I think that's the thing. You make your own luck if you put yourself yeah. in a place. And I could I could go maybe, even at my age, go and do maybe a one-year or a short-term, maybe a, a two- or three-month uh, residential acting for TV, which would give me a certificate, which would give me enough credits to get on Spotlight, which then would get me out there. It's just a choice. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, still married to the two, the, the girl that saw me in the codpiece in the, <laughs> in Henry the Fourth, part one. Good and, for you. Uh, and That's we, you how know, it's done. This works quite well. I can go out and get on TV. It's fun then. It's kind of like it comes on. Oh, there he is. Oh, no. Uh, oh no! Oh, there you are! Oh, it's the back of your head. You know, uh, we do those those kind of games. My wife wants to make up a cutout of all their different body parts from different programs. 
that'd be that'd be an interesting avatar. Hold on a second. Hold on yeah. a second. We got uh, Peaky Blinders is popular here in India as well. I've not been able to catch it yet, but we'll uh, have to put it to the top of the list now. So okay. Oh, cool. great. Cool, cool, well, cool. Uh, can, can you t- let him know? Uh, can you do you do you know what episode? Like what season? What episode you were yeah. in? So he can season five. Season five. Um, in about season five. five. Any of the MP, any of the things in the members of parliament, I'm in there. Okay, so any of the parliament scenes, man, um, the, uh, Tony's there. You're, you're going to see him um, with an appropriately uh, dismayed look at this, uh, you know, ridiculous family who just, you know. Well, just, just 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 Tommy at this point. Uh, <laughs> you haven't met Arthur. Okay, yeah, that will be a whole other conversation. Uh, I have Let's a set of, of a question, if time permits. What is the atmosphere on the set of Peaky Blinders versus The Crown? Does it differ due to the difference in plot, or is it just about the same? Um, I would I would say they're in the same. They're, they're both really, really classy productions. So you have a great crew, great team, great directors, and on both those sets, background actors, support actors get treated really, really well. You That's know, good really part of it, inclusive. I've been on some lower budget things where you know i'm not missing words we've been cheated treated like shit i mean it's been awful um but you know you, you're not even referred to as you know you some some young pup with his jeans hanging halfway down his backside and uh you know and he's, he's coming around so oh, yeah i'll have the you 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 and he's pointing with a walkie-talkie with a rubber thing and you know and you're crammed into a and it's, it's just you know and i remember sitting on one thing and it was this is very early on it was a low budget movie um, yeah, even so, you know, it's, it's still a movie. You, you, you're there right. the whole day working a 12 hour day, early start, five, six in the morning, makeup, costume, and then a lot of sitting around. And then you're on, you know, and you're on, and then you have to react and do what you're told. And um, uh, forget where I was going, but oh, that's right. So we were sort of sitting there, we just had this. And one of the guys looks at me and he says, What did you do in your, in your previous career? I said, Well, yeah, I. Well, before I retired, I was managing director of an oil company. He said, yeah, what about you? He says, well, I was a consultant surgeon. And the other guy, yeah, I was a senior lawyer. And we're sitting here. We've been paid $100 a day. I'm, I used to charge out an hour when I was a consultant. I was like shit by this young pup that is pointing at us. But, you know, you're blind is no way. It absolutely is fantastic. They're just great shows to be on. A great cast, great crew, and and yeah, and, and they're slightly different, I suppose. You get into you when you Peaky Blinders is dark. You, 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 the, the atmosphere is dark, and it literally is. You know, those classic Peaky Blinders shots. The room is dark. There's this fake smoke being blown in because every okay, Gillian yeah, Murphy, Murphy's doing most of it. I mean, he's he gets through the. Uh, and I did actually one scene puff on this pipe. It's, it's herbal tobacco, but I, I'm a non-smoker. I, I'm really choking on that thing. But but it's dark lighting with sort of filtered lights coming through windows and things like that. It's always, you know, a lot of scenes, and it's just just typical of that that director's stance. He's he's creating dark. It's moody. It's sort of underworld. Whereas Brown, it's it's royal, and 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 I think the atmosphere is royal. And everything's slightly elite because the places we film are elite. So we we filmed in a castle that looks like Balmoral. We filmed in a. Um, I was also in. <coughs> I didn't. I didn't get seen because it was a big crowd. 
the um, the scene for Lord Mountbatten's funeral, which was Winchester Cathedral. But again, bright, very bright. Yeah. The yeah. horse guards, parades, soldiers, uniforms. And the other thing about both of those are the meticulous, meticulous about detail. Like, even the cigarette packets are packets of that age. There's nothing nice. new. The beers, nice. the papers, the newspapers, everything, they are classy, classy productions. And I just felt um, so proud to be even part of it in a very small way. It sounds like, um, you know, another level of professionalism, you know, within, um, you know, within television series and things like that. You know, you could be working on this movie where you're dealing with some punk you know, uh, you know, so on and so forth, as opposed to where you're working sort of at the highest level. Yeah. You know, and so it's a it's a different feeling, you know, where people are treated with respect and, you know, everyone's there for a purpose and you're recognized as such. And yeah. that, that's important, um, especially if you're talking to people who have come from other fields, you know, that sort of thing, you know, to realize that, yeah, this is this is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, that yeah. kind of, that, is, that it's not all just, you know, some, you know, knucklehead, you know, like you said, with his pants halfway down around his ass, you know, um, you know, barking at people. And you're like, who the hell are you, buddy? You know, that sort of thing. So that's yeah. that's good that you've that you've had that experience. Um, yeah. I, I got one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, God, I just agree with you. Uh, one final question, I guess. Um, and I, I talk about this a lot on. um Oh, and uh, he says, thank you. Uh, that's amazing insight. Thanks for answering. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. He appreciates it. Um, what is, I talk about this a lot on, on the show regularly, regardless of what movie uh, we're discussing uh, or who I'm interviewing. Uh, what's your opinion on the current state of filmmaking? Uh, here in Hollywood, I'm seeing, you know, um, Hollywood's been sort of taken over, in my opinion, um, but I, I, I think it's demonstrably true, uh, by franchises. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, part seven of something, you know, part 15. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's become this thing, um, you know, of, of bloated CGI, you know, monstrosities, these sorts of things. And they have their place. Don't misunderstand me. I, I understand every movie isn't going to be an Attenborough film you know, or, you know, DeMille or Nolan or, you know, whoever is your, you know, director of choice, Ridley Scott, you know, um, whatever. Um, but uh, it just seems to be, you know, this maximizing output, diminishing quality sort of situation that's happened here. And like I said, I left America in 2010 and came back in 2020 and Hollywood was completely different. Mm. You know, these sorts of things where now it's just, you know, the next thing, the next thing. And before you have processed and as an adult, you know, I'm just like, yeah, that was kind of shit. Um, you know, I spent six weeks. Now, I'm not I'm not talking about Peaky Blinders or The Crown. That's a completely different thing. But a, a lot of these other things. And by the time you like I just spent six weeks watching that, like, really? Um, and before you get there, and have time to sort of, hey, wait a minute. You know, this is bullshit. The next thing has already hit you these sorts of things so i mean do, do you have any do you have an opinion on that maybe you don't you're like no i like I, like what i'm doing because you're seeing something your experience seems to be something completely different from that or you're you know you're just you know you're getting stared down by tom wilkinson <laughs> you know yeah, you know so 
that was just one that was just one and one very special occasion um but no i what i notice is um i mean i've since since um since corona virus hit us um things have changed a lot i, th I think we certainly my, my wife and i did a lot of binge watching of series on uh, tv and actually it, it was kind of it, it did we noticed a change in our watching pattern and i think that's happened for quite a lot of people um people and particularly with um pay on demand and various subscriptions like netflix or apple tv or sky I don't know what else you've got, HBO, you've got various ones. Here. But here, you know, it's certainly here in the UK, Netflix, Apple, um, BritBox, there's there's various. And they're all pumping money. Uh, Netflix used to be the big one. Netflix obviously had the big series like The Crown, uh, Outlander, you know, some great, although I think that's that's changed back to stars now. So you've got stars doing, um, although uh, their, their own series of things. The... It's great for us because the amount of work that is being generated okay. is increasing. So from a purely um, you know, selfish point of view of actually there's a lot more things going on. If I don't get this, there's something else filming. And Scotland is growing. I think you know, it's, it's, it's always been a great place for, for films when you're looking for it. But actually the theatre, the studio's uh, potential now is growing. Um, okay. I was um, on a uh, a superhero movie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Again, um, again, just as this was just a background thing for th film for three year, three uh, day, three night shoots in Glasgow recently. Um, it, it became a certain city in a certain series of uh, superheroes, um, um, and so there's, there's there's lots of things. And then, of course, then there's the, the castles and the and the scenery and things like that. But 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 more and more. Stuff is is being done in, in studios, and I think there's plans for more studios. I think when Outlander stops finish uh, is is currently, I think it's still filming. And then, you know, when that series finishes, we've got Ward Park uh, Studios in Combinor, which you know could be used. So I think um, there's more growing in Scotland. There certainly is in Manchester, and and there's a lot you know down in Shepparton and Pine Stu Pinewood Studios in in London. So in the UK, we're getting a lot of the Hollywood money and films and you know people coming and filming here so and and they are they're funded by things like netflix apple yeah. and those is it a good thing i don't know i mean i still use i i miss going to the cinema to see a film and it are being the cinemas, a, cinemas are still closed there no 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 but i miss it things are in yeah. the cinema yeah for a week or two and then they've gone and then they're then then you have to get them on subscription it's, somewhere um, it's it's a six-week maximum here. Yeah, and then some things never make the cinemas. They go straight to it's a Netflix exclusive or it's a yeah. Amazon Prime exclusive. Yeah. So unless you've got those subscriptions to them, you know you're not you you're, you're not going to see them in the cinema. I'd love to go and see one of my things in the big screen, you know. Yeah. But most of what oh, yeah. done is on TV or whatever. So um, I think it's just a change in, in the culture. But yeah. You, if you if you keep banging things out, then maybe the quality is um, not good. But fortunately, so far, I think everything I've been involved in, I'm, I've been fairly impressed by, you know, the quality okay. of the That's things awesome. that we've been we've been doing. But uh, but I'm, get, I'm getting more choosy now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why why wouldn't you? Yeah, you're like, hey, you pick what you want to do. 
coffee in that. I'm going to be a man reading newspaper in that one. <laughs> and well, I, you I know do something? Love yeah, I mean, it, you make the choices that determine, you know, where things are going to go for yourself. So, yeah, yeah. why why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I, I just, you know, I've noticed uh, here, um, you know, and I, I haven't thought about that. In I, that's an interesting perspective in terms that, like, there's a lot of work. I guess is what you're saying. You know, there's, you know, a lot, a lot more work out there nowadays. Um, I just remember uh, over around Christmas, uh, Apple TV had released um, uh, the Coen brothers, Macbeth uh, with Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Brendan Gleeson, uh, these sorts of things. And they had released it in theaters. Uh, but because I'm in a relatively small section of Jersey, like I would have had to go on 50 miles to a major city, which was Philadelphia um, to catch it. But at my local multiplex, like whatever the whatever the movie was, was like on 17 different, like playing 17 different times that day. But that's an interesting perspective. I never thought about that. Like it gives actors um, a lot more opportunity to to work. So, all right. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's 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 why I asked the question. OK, thanks for that. I have to, I'll bear that in mind the next time uh, I have the discussion. Factor that in. Um, I think um, that this is as good a place as any to bring things to a close. I know I said an hour. It's run a little bit more than that. I apologize. Um, is, is there anything you'd like to discuss that I, I failed to, to bring up? Well, I, I think we've covered everything. It was good to, to get Keith on earlier and discuss the yeah. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're thinking about buying the book, I'd just say, yeah, get the audio book and then you, you'll get to hear me. Uh, and I'd, be, and I'd, I'd also be great for, grateful for feedback, you know. Um, there's about seven different accents in there. I'm very comfortable with the Scottish, the English, um, my Dutch one. Yeah, I'm just sending with these uh, from Holland and Netherlands out there. Um, and that was the one I struggled the most with. There's a couple of American voices on there, South African uh, Hispanic, uh, uh, you know, so uh, um, those were those were quite challenging. But uh, so far, I've had very positive feedback, and uh, I, I, I may try. God, I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, anyway, it's just good to get uh, feedback, and uh, you know, I can build on that because hopefully, we're going to do the the, the tack around too. Um, but uh, go out and buy. You get some more money, then he can afford to pay me. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to. Uh, you know. I, I, I may continue to give it a shot. Uh, I've had some, you know, because I was working through uh, ACX, which is, yeah. you know, Audible. Um, and, and that's what I it, it was ACX to get into Audible. So it's very. Yeah. So tight. it's just, I guess you just got to keep plugging at it. Mm -hmm. Got to keep plugging at it like everything else. Okay. Right. Um, tell people where they can find you online. Do you have a Twitter, yeah. uh, dad yeah. jokes, or you know, okay. Instagram, Facebook, whatever? I, I like you. I have an Instagram page, but I don't understand it. I just put stuff up there and it disappears. It's kind of like gone in sixty seconds, like that movie. You know, it uh, uh, it is. It's instant, isn't it? I, but apparently, that's where most artists put it. My my daughter does it, and all her actor friends do it. I just find that a little bit. Look at me, uh, a bit too too much. I mean, I'll put things up there if I think they're interesting. But generally speaking, I put stuff up on Twitter. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. And, okay, Yep, and if you want to keep track of my filmography, I've got an IMDb page, and uh, I'll I put both those links in the description. 
Yeah, and I we update those once they're out, you know, because of NDAs. You can't put anything up there until it's actually been broadcast or shown. So that gets updated. But I, you know, I, I give little hints that there's something filming, and, and so like this week uh, has been uh, a, a spoof western. So I had my first film, film death yesterday. <laughs> I was gunned down. I was gunned down in North Aberdeenshire. There's this little cowboy town <laughs> that's been there's, built. Uh... With guys there's, can go a, there, there's a wealth of uh, of experience and stories in here. It's uh, it's yeah. been great talking to you. I appreciate you, you uh, taking the time to come on out and uh, hang out a little bit. And as uh, I'll keep my ear to the ground and my eyes open, but as things uh, get closer or you have new projects, um, if you'd be interested, I'd be happy to have you back on. That'd be great and great talking to you, Mike. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, um, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to cover a neo-noir um, crime drama. Um, we're talking about Mel Gibson's Payback, and we're going to look at the director's cut, uh, not the theatrical version, which is a complete reworking um, of Helgeland's original film. Um, it's an interesting contrast how you can take basically the same material uh, from the theatrical release and yet complete uh, a completely different film. So that'll be an interesting conversation. My thanks once again uh, to Tony Atherton uh, for stopping in. Um, hang back for a second, Tony. I'm going to play the outro and then um, we'll talk for just a second more. Okay.